Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. been in this last month, we've kind of been talking about uh, the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to continue on that right now. And I'm going to go ahead and jump in because of our, our, our time right here. And so in Acts chapter one, if you don't have a Bible, it's okay. It'll come up on the screen to your left and to your right. But in Acts chapter one, we're going to read several verses that show us when the Holy Spirit kind of showed up on the scene in the early church, specifically, okay, Jesus, he's now died. He's risen again. Um, he's met with some people and his disciples. He's ascended into heaven. Uh, and now is kind of where we're looking at some of these scriptures, um, in the Bible. Acts chapter one, starting in verse four, it says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, that's Jesus, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Everyone say gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. That's what he was talking about, okay? Cheers to whatever's in front of you. Um, He's a gift. Now we're gonna circle back to that in just a minute because here's what I honestly believed about the gift. I believe there are far too many believers that are not unpacking fully the gift that Jesus left us. Now, now, now hear me, I don't, I'm not gonna go deep, super deep theological tonight. Obviously at a moment of conversion, at a moment of salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit, okay? He's, he's given to us in that moment of salvation, but, but past that, there's not a, a lot of believers still doing a lot of digging about the Holy Spirit and the gift that they've been given. There, there, there's power that came with this gift. There's, there's signs and wonders and miracles that follow this person who is this gift, right? There's all of this stuff, but some people, it's they're, like they're just not unpacking it and we might get back to, to that in just a second, but let's keep reading. Um, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now tonight, we're not really gonna jump in right on, on that particular part. I, I believe I'm actually gonna preach again this Sunday. So this Sunday, we're gonna examine more of that part right there in Acts chapter two. So if you wanna come back Sunday, it's a whole different message, but we're gonna continue to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now look at Acts chapter uh, two, uh, starting in verse one. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, everyone say Pentecost. Now, we just celebrated Pentecost uh, a couple Sundays ago. Pastor Stovall preached, right? We celebrate this moment. When, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. When the day of Pentecost came, Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Here, here's what the Lord showed me the other day. Listen, there was Bethlehem, right? At first there was Bethlehem. This was when Jesus obviously came. He was born as a baby in a manger. Bethlehem was God with us. He's Emmanuel. And then there's Calvary. Now, Calvary on the cross, that's God for us. He was the sacrifice for us. But now here we are at Pentecost. Pentecost is God in us. There was God with us. There's God for us. But now this, in this moment of history, this is God in us, the spirit of God in us. And suddenly, verse two, suddenly a sound. Everyone say sound. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. There was a sound. 
It's the Holy Spirit coming in this upper room, right? A little bit of context. There's 120 people who have gathered together. They're, they're Jesus followers. They're, they're believers that he is the son of God, right? They've gathered together. They're praying. They were told by Jesus to wait for the gift. So they're waiting, they're praying, they're anticipating, they have great expectation. And all of a sudden there's a sound that now comes. Now think about who's all in the room, right? There's a lot of people in the room, 120 people. There's disciples in the room. There's probably uh, some other women who maybe gathered together that believed in Jesus. Obviously like women were the first ones on the scene at the tomb to find out he wasn't there. There's probably a great mixture of people. But I thought about this. You know who's in the room, in the upper room? Peter's there. Obviously we know Peter's there because you read a couple chapters after that and now Peter leaves the room and he's down the streets and he's preaching. It's great. He's doing all this kind of stuff. So Peter's in the room. Follow me. Peter's in the room when the sound, everyone say sound. sound. When the sound of the Holy Spirit shows up, it's the coming of the Holy Spirit. I would imagine the sound of the Holy Spirit is an encouraging sound. It's probably a very hopeful sound. It's an empowering sound. It's a significant sound. It's probably a sound that lifted their spirits. They probably were like, this is it. It's here. He He gave a promise. He's fulfilling the promise. I would imagine it's a very positive sound. But you know, you go back several weeks from this moment and Peter heard another sound. And the sound that Peter heard several weeks ago was not an encouraging sound. It was a sound that brought him guilt. It was a sound that brought him shame. It was a sound that brought him regret. What am I talking about? It was the sound of that rooster. Remember when Jesus told him, Peter, even before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times, right? Sure enough, it happens and the rooster crows. And as soon as Peter heard the rooster, guilt, shame, regret. And what you gotta know is the Bible doesn't really talk about it, but it's not just that one rooster. Like there's roosters every day. I mean, it's, I don't know if you've ever been to a third world country, there's roosters everywhere. They're crowing all day long. So watch this. It's not just like Peter felt some guilt with that one rooster, but I would imagine day after day after day, week after week after week, every time he heard a rooster, there's more guilt, there's more shame, there's more regret. How could I be so dumb? How can I betray him like that? How could I deny him like that? But all of a sudden we get to Acts and now there's a new sound. And I point this out just to help someone tonight. Listen, there is a sound that is greater than the sound of your past. It's the sound of the Holy Spirit. It's a new sound. And where there used to be sounds that filled you with shame and regret and disappointment, the new sound that God wants to fill you with and bring into your life is a sound of encouragement. It's a sound of great expectation. It's a sound that's full of faith. It's a sound that lifts us up. It's a sound that gives us boldness and courage. Come on, someone say new sound. It's the Holy Spirit. Thank God. Thank God there was a new sound for Peter to replace the old sound. And there's a new sound coming right here. There's a new sound on the scene. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, I thought about this. There's a, there's a Marine Air Force base uh, in Cherry Point, North Carolina. 
And it's absolutely true. You can drive by it to this day. You can Google it. And right outside, it's, a, it's an Air Force base. So they're constantly training fighter pilots that fly in and out on these, you know, F-16, whatever kind of jets. I don't know, it's loud. And if you live in the local community, it's loud. Every time these planes take off constantly, day and night, probably at all hours, it's loud, it's loud, it's loud. It's a Marine Air Force base. But on the sign out front of the base, this is what it says. Pardon the noise, it's the sound of freedom. Now, even a bad preacher can preach that right there. Listen, sometimes the person down the aisle from you, they don't understand why you're so passionate in your worship and praise. They don't understand why you got your hands up. They don't understand why you're stirring up a ruckus on your row and why you're lifting your voice and why you're giving it your best. You can look at them and say, um, pardon the noise. This is the sound of freedom. This is a new sound. It's a new sound. I used to listen to an old sound, but I got a new sound. It's a new sound. Anybody thankful for a new sound? Anybody lived life long enough to remember the old sounds, but now you can thank God for the new sound? Boy, the Holy Spirit brings a new sound. It's an encouraging sound. It lifts people up. You can see it in the life of Peter. He gets a new sound and all of a sudden, next chapter, he's out in the streets being bolder than he ever has been before. A new sound can do a lot. A new sound can do a lot. A fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit in your life can do a lot. It can do a lot. We got to keep reading or I will never get through this message. (laughs) When they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Everyone say filled. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled, 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 filled with the Holy Spirit. But I want you to take notice of John chapter 20, verse 20, when it said this. After Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and his side. This is after he's now raised uh, from the dead. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And watch verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I only mention this to you to let you know that I am persuaded that even though you receive the Holy Spirit in a moment of conversion, I still believe that you can be filled again filled again. We see it clearly in scripture. John chapter 20, receive the Holy Spirit. But in Acts chapter two, they're filled again. And in Acts chapter four, they're filled again. So, so just because you got the spirit at a moment of salvation doesn't mean you never need another filling. We're gonna pray for that before you leave tonight. There's always more filling. He wants to fill you up. Some days I wake up, I'm, I, here I am, I'm a spirit-filled, obviously saved believer in Jesus, but some days I still wake up and I say, Lord, fill me again today with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Spirit, be strong in me today. I yield to your leading and guiding today. I submit to your direction today. Give me power for today. Give me strength for this task at hand. Holy Spirit, fill me again. Fill me again. And finally, look at Acts chapter four, verse 29. We'll start there. Now, Lord, consider their threat. So this is after Peter and John, they've now appeared before the Sanhedrin. They figured out that a lot of religious rulers are not down with what they're doing right now. There's death. Uh, coming their way, murderous threats, all this kind of stuff toward all the early church. And they're praying. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. 
stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled again, again with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. Right now, as we get ready um, with the remaining time that we have, I just wanna give you a few things on how the early church was built. We're gonna look at how the Holy Spirit Help build the early church. If you're taking some notes, you wanna write some stuff down. I've just entitled this, the Holy Spirit as promised. God made a promise, he fulfilled a promise. So Lord, speak to us tonight with the remaining time that we have left, which is 14 minutes. Wow, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have a four-year-old little boy. He's about to turn five uh, this summer. And uh, being the dad of a little boy, it gives me um, more opportunities than I would actually like uh, to build things. <laughs> for your kid. Anybody know what I feel like? You're, you, you feel like you're just always building something. There's like a birthday or a holiday or a Christmas or whatever. And there's like a new tree house or a new bike or a new kitchen set or a new something. And you're just always building something, right? And so I, I sometimes I, I wouldn't even say, preach, I feel you brother. Um, and I, I wouldn't call myself like the craftiest, handiest guy out there. Like my, my man, Justin Landry, I call Justin all the time. Like Justin, as soon as he looks down at his phone, he sees Clay, he's like, Clay's at the house doing something. He's gonna electrocute himself, I don't know. And so, so he helps me a lot, but, but I'm learning. And so here I am, I'm building stuff for my little boy. I love my little boy, so I'm building him things. But have you ever noticed like when, uh, when something arrives, a kid's toy, a child's toy or whatever, and the, here's the big box that gets delivered, or maybe you bought it from the store. You ever see the picture on the side of the box and it's like some little like like perfect like suburban family right there and it's like the mom and dad they're hugging each other and they're smiling and they got like their perfect tailored outfits on and then here's the little kid like playing on the toy listen lies <laughs> lies ain't no dad look that put together after eight hours of building a bicycle <laughs> that ain't the truth that ain't the truth at all right there, right? But, but you love your kids, so you, you know, you're building it anyways, you know, sometimes it's causing drama in the house, whatever, you get through it, right? And you build it, right? You're the builder. It's kind of, I don't know, it's not, not, I'm not to be some sexist, whatever, but sometimes the dad, kind of the responsibility, it's kind of the dad steps in and he's the builder of stuff like that, right? But listen, just, it's a funny little story, but just as I am the builder of my son's toys, that's my responsibility, so to speak, the Holy Spirit has a responsibility. He has a job description, he has something to do. And the something to do that he has is he is the builder of the church of Jesus Christ. He's the builder. Jesus is the lead designer and architect, but the Holy Spirit is the builder. Okay, and we're gonna look at how the church is built. The church is not built by man. The church is not built by creative ideas. It's not built, as much as we think it is, it's not built by eloquent preachers and talented singers. That's not how the church is built. It's not even built by great committed volunteer base. It's built by the Holy Spirit, our God, and unless the Lord builds the house, then everyone trying to do so does it in vain. He's the church builder. Here's the encouraging thing. If the spirit is the one building this thing, then it's never going under. 
Like that should actually give you a whole lot of encouragement right now. That the thing that you are a part of, the club that you've joined and where you've showed demonstration and loyalty to, it's going nowhere because the one looking after it is the Holy Spirit, our God. If this was all built on man, we got problems because men and women make faulty decisions all the time, but it's not built on men and women, it's built on the Spirit, our God. He is the builder of the house. In fact, just look at the book of Acts. I thought about this, the more you try to take the church out, the more it just grows and expands. You figured the enemy would have learned this by now. Like the more you try to fight against it, it, the more it just blows up and it just expands and it just does great stuff, right? So let's take a a look at how the church is built. I just got a a few points for you. Number one, the church is built on Jesus. It's built on Jesus. Look at Psalm 118. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, speaking of Jesus. Now that's quoted several times throughout the gospels. Ephesians chapter two. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Look at 1 Peter chapter two. He's actually quoting the prophet Isaiah when he says, see, I lay a stone in Zion a chosen and precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. He's the cornerstone. He's the foundation. It's all built on him. I'll say it like this. It is always only Jesus. Always only Jesus. He's the cornerstone. He's the foundation. I love the old song that some of us grew up in church singing. All other ground is sinking sand. If you're to make it through this life and hold on to any chance of hope in the process, your foundation had better be Jesus. There's not a lot of other solid stuff to rest my feet up on other than the foundation of Jesus Christ. This thing is built on him. It's built on the good news of Jesus. It's built on the finished work of the cross of Jesus. It's built on the empty tomb of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the truth and grace of Jesus, the return of Jesus, the love of Jesus. It's all built on Jesus. You see this, right? It's always only Jesus. It's not built on traditions. It's not built on religious duties and rules. It's not built on condemnation and judgment. This whole thing that we're a part of, it's not about we came to God. It's about God came to us in the person of Jesus. The church has and always will be built on Jesus. There is no other foundation that offers hope in unwavering and unstable times. I, uh, I left an Easter service. This was not this past Easter. It was several Easter's ago, but I remember it was Easter Sunday and I, I heard uh, a gentleman kind of coming in to, to Easter and I heard him say this. He's like, I, I don't know if he goes to church a lot or not, but what he said was, oh, here's, here's another Easter message. We're all gonna just go in there and the pastor's gonna talk about, gonna talk about Jesus in the cross again. It's just gonna, it's always what it is on Easter. It's just Jesus in the cross and the tomb and that, that's all it's gonna be. Can I just say, friend, what other message is there? Like what other news can even hold a candle to the greatest news of all time that the God who created you actually loved you enough to take on a cross that was meant for you? Come on, God for us. He did what you call, like what other message is there? You got a better message? I'll sit down and love to hear it. 
What's, what's better than the message of it's all built on Jesus? Some would say always, only Jesus. It's built on Jesus. The church is built on him. Number two, but it's built through people. It's built through people. Isn't it crazy that the Holy Spirit would choose to use humanity in the building process of the church? Like, I feel like if we could go back and someone could talk to him and be like, hey, no, bad idea. Like, don't do that. Why would you? No. Humanity? The humans. Us. What? No, that's a horrible idea. I love you, but you shouldn't use us. We betray one another a lot. You know what I mean? We sin a lot, we're flawed, we make mistakes, we often commit to things and then we don't follow through with our commitments. Like, this is not a good idea. You're gonna wanna use something else. You're gonna, you better figure this out because this is a bad idea. But yet he did it anyway, right? He wants to use us. I thought about it, like, we have so many insufficiencies, don't we? So many insufficiencies, but look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse nine. It said, but Jesus said to me, right? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power, now stop right there. Where does the power come from? The Holy Spirit. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. You and I, us, we have insufficiencies, but watch this church. God has sufficient grace for your insufficiencies. He has sufficient grace. So why use people to help build his church? Because even a human weakness can't hinder the strength and perfection of the builder. Like, like whatever is weak, as soon as the Holy Spirit fills it, it's strong. So, so follow me on this, let me help your theology. The Holy Spirit, it's not like he takes a bunch of weak things named humans. It's not like he takes weak stuff and he's like, well, I can do something good with this weak stuff. The minute he touches it and fills it, it's not weak anymore. Yeah. It's strong. So he, he's not worried. You're worried about your insufficiency. You're worried about your weakness. He's not worried at all because he knows as soon as he gets his hands on you, you're not weak anymore. There's strength. And I believe the reason people are so reluctant to allow the Holy Spirit to use them for the building process of the church is because you know the truth about you. Like you know you. Maybe like your spouse even doesn't know all of you and your friends or whatever, but you know you. And sometimes we're reluctant because we're like, I don't wanna, I don't want God, I don't wanna get in with God. I don't wanna be a part. Like I just wanna stand at a distance because I just, God, I got some stuff hidden in the corners and I don't really want God, knowing this, I don't really want, can I just, can I just like give you some bad news? He knows anyway. <laughs> like some of us grew up and you were really good at hide and seek and you still think you're good at, at a, like as an adult, you're not, you're not good. <laughs> he sees it all anyway. But he still wants to use us, seeing all your flaws, seeing the stuff that you've swept into the corner of your heart that you haven't told anybody for years, but he still sees it. And he wants to use us anyway, right? Well, he's an advocate, isn't he? He's for us, he's on our side, he's a champion for us. He's, he's a supporter, he's a believer, he's a helper. You don't have to hide the truth. You can't hide it anyway. You ever tried to hide the truth? You ever tried to hide the truth about yourself before? 
There was a moment when I was in elementary school and uh, in our neighborhood, we lived in Spartanburg, South Carolina. My parents are, are up there tonight. Uh, we live in Spartanburg and there was a lot of young boys in elementary school that lived in the neighborhood. And one particular uh, day, we decided to have a, a sleepover uh, at my friend Chase and Cody's house. They were brothers. So my brother and I, we went over to their house and we had a sleepover and um, we stayed up really, really late. Uh, that night, right? It was like Friday. You don't got to go to school the next day. We stayed up late and, uh, and we stayed up and we were like just drinking tons of soda and Mountain Dew and all that kind of stuff. That's probably where my brother's addiction came from to Mountain Dew. Uh, so, but, but here we are and, and we're just drinking sodas late into the night. And so we all fall asleep in their bonus room. I fall asleep on the couch. Uh, right there in the bonus room. And I wake up in the middle of the night to use the restroom because I'm just tanked with soda. And, uh, and, and so then I go back to bed, but, but then all of a sudden I wake up in the morning only to realize that I actually didn't wake up in the middle of the night. I had a dream that I woke up in the middle of the night. And now the product of that dream was evident on the front of my pajamas and on that couch. <laughs> Don't act like you hadn't been there. It may be a few years, since, but we've all had it. We all had the dream, you know what I mean? So, and so here I am. I'm embarrassed of shame and guilt. Oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? I'm just an elementary school boy. I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. So I do the only logical thing that I know to do. Everyone else is still asleep. I am the only one that has woken up. I grab my bag and I just run back to my house. <laughs> Down the stretch, run back to my house. About an hour later, my friend Chase, he comes to my house, he knocks on the door and he's like, hey man, what's going on? And here I am, I'm trying my best, I don't wanna say it. I'm like, hey man, well, where'd you go? Oh man, I just, I just had to get home real early this morning. Really, 6 a.m., you had to get home that early, okay. So, and here I am, I'm just, I'm shamed. And he was like, dude, I saw something on the couch where you were sleeping. And I know, in this moment, I know, I'm caught. Clay, you can't lie. You have been found out, you've been caught, just own up, you just gotta do it. And so kind of with like almost tears in my eyes, I'm just like, man, I'm so sorry, man. It was just, you just kept giving me the Mountain Dews, man, you should have stopped, you know? And so, and so I was apologized. Chase looks me in the eye, he says, dude, I just flipped the cushion. Mom, mom's never gonna know, she's never gonna know. I just flipped the cushion. Come on, sometimes it pays to have an advocate, am I right? Sometimes it pays to have somebody on your side who knows your flaws, but still gonna be your friend anyway. Come on. He's our advocate, the Holy Spirit is. I lost some of you for the rest of the message. He's our advocate. He's our helper, he's our counselor. And listen, for some of us, Bottom line is, is if we can get real with God, if we can open up our hearts, if we can take off the pretend, take off the phony and the fake, then I believe the Holy Spirit will not just change your life, but he will use your life in the process of building the most precious thing that has ever been built on the face of the earth, the church of Jesus Christ. He's not afraid to use the real you, so just let him use the real you. You don't have to hide anything. And the last thing is this, as the band gets ready to join me, is number three, the church is built on Jesus. It's built through people, but it's built by the Holy Spirit. It's built by the Holy Spirit. 
Depending on how you grew up in church and maybe what you've seen or what you read, some of us, we really have to demystify some things about the Holy Spirit before we're fully able to move forward. Obviously, the Holy Spirit is God. Um, he's not a lesser version of God. He's not a bench warmer version of God. Um, you know, sometimes people think like the Father gets this big throne. Jesus gets a little throne to the right. The Holy Spirit doesn't get a throne because he just floats around. That's like some, some people literally think that. That's, that's, that's not a good view of God. Uh, there's no hierarchy amongst them. They constantly praise the other. They, they, they're, they're all in agreement. There's never been a moment in all of eternity in, in history where they've ever not been in full agreement with one another. Uh, okay, the Holy Spirit is God. He's a helper. He's an advocate that lives in us. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird, but the Holy Spirit's not weird. Sometimes we've seen weird people doing weird stuff. And they've been like, oh, it's just the Holy Spirit. No, it ain't. It ain't. No, it's not. That's not, he's not weird. He's not weird. Now, sometimes he'll do things that make you a little uncomfortable because he's pushing us out of our routine and our ordinary and the things that we've just been a little more accustomed to. And he's, and he's pushing us into a deeper level. It might, it might look strange at first, but, but, but he's, with, he's not weird though. He's not weird. People can be. He's a precious gift. I'll say it like this. Jesus was the Father's gift for eternal life, but the Holy Spirit was Jesus' gift for this life. He's a gift. He's a gift. And too many believers aren't unpacking him. It's like you got a, it's like you got a box with your name on it under the tree on December 25th and you're just not opening it. Open it. It's good. It's for you. It will add value to your life, strength to your life. It's only ever helping you. Open it, open it. Ask, Holy Spirit, fill me. I'm not saying you're not a believer, but there's more filling that can happen. We've seen that clearly in the book of Acts. And so I just wanna let you know, here we're gonna do, we're gonna pray. But four things the Holy Spirit will do, I gotta rattle these off, I don't have time to spend a lot. But here's what the Holy Spirit will do when you invite him to come in. Number one, the Holy Spirit will immerse you. He'll immerse you. If you invite him, he, like he's a gentleman. He's, 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 not gonna, he's not just gonna do something that you don't want, like, but if you invite him, if you welcome him, he'll immerse you. He'll fill you up. And the fruit of that immersion is gonna be love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit that comes when the Holy Spirit fills us up. He'll immerse you. Number two, the Holy Spirit will instruct you. He's a teacher, John chapter 14, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance, Pastor Carla, bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you. The Holy Spirit, some of you are bummed out because you didn't have enough money to go to seminary and go to Bible college and learn stuff. The Holy Spirit will teach you stuff that Bible college could have never taught you. He's a great teacher. He wants to teach you, he wants to guide you, he wants to be a helper in your life. The Holy Spirit will instruct you to do things outside of your capacity. He'll bring to your remembrance. Watch, as you study God's word, as, as you're in God's word, and then you go out and about around town in the spheres of life that you occupy, he will bring to your remembrance the things that you've seen before. 
Like this happens all the time. I feel like by the nature of what we do as communicators and preachers, it happens a lot because here we are on stage and we got like a kind of a set prepared notes, but sometimes you're just out here and you're preaching and all of a sudden stuff that you didn't even write down is just popping into your head and you're just saying it and you're just encouraging people. Where did that come from? The Holy Spirit just brought it. That's where it came from. Some, some of us, like you're just like, you just chuck it up to like, I must just have a really good memory. No, you got the Holy Spirit. And that's why when you were talking to that coworker and you didn't even know that conversation was gonna happen, but then all of a sudden in the middle of the conversation, scriptures are coming to your mind and you're like encouraging people. And you're like, my goodness, I didn't even read that scripture recently. Where did that even come from? The Holy Spirit just dropped that in your lap for an encouraging conversation that that person needed to hear because that's what he does. He's a teacher and he brings to our remembrance all the things that we've heard, all the things that we've studied. He leads us into all truth. Scripture says, leads us into all truth. Truth is a big word right now in, de- in our day and age. It's a big word. If you go to a university campus, do not ask the question, what is truth? Because you will get 1 million different answers. Oh, truth is just whatever I feel like it is that particular day. No, I'm sorry, my friend. That's not what truth is. Truth is an individual. Truth is a person and the person's name is Jesus. He will lead you into all truth. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit is constantly pointing back to Jesus. So, so, so anyone who ever, let me just help you, anyone who ever has an idea or they're gonna do something, or they're gonna make a decision and, and that decision does not line up with the words of Christ, it does not line up with the character of Christ, but they're like, well, the Holy Spirit told me. No, he didn't. Because what the Holy Spirit does is he always points back to truth. He always points back to Jesus. So you're gonna know when it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you because it's gonna be confirmed in Jesus, right? That's what he does. He leads us into all truth. Number three, the Holy Spirit will impress upon you. He'll impress upon you. If you look throughout the book of Acts and we see the disciples, the Bible says they're always like compelled by the Spirit. They were compelled by the Spirit to do different things, speak to people, minister to people. And and, and the question is, when the Holy Spirit impresses upon you, which He will, because that's what He does, what are you going to do? Are you going to be obedient to the impression that He's made? Hey, go talk to that person. Take that colleague to lunch. Why do I need to take him to lunch? We're not even friends. But, but you feel something. You feel, and it's not letting up. And you feel like, what, what is that? There's a good chance it might be the Holy Spirit. And He's impressing upon you because God is trying to get to someone and He's gonna use you to help in the process. He'll impress upon you. Are we gonna be obedient when the pressing comes into our life? And the last one I wrote down is this, the Holy Spirit will empower you. He'll empower you. First Corinthians chapter two, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but they were with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. The word empower, that might be a churchy term to a lot of us. What, what does empower mean? It just means given power. You have been given power. When the Holy Spirit fills us and comes on us, you've been given power. Power to do what? Well, you've given, been given power over the enemy power over temptation, power over sin. You've been given power to live more like Jesus. You've been given power to love the unlovable. You've been given power to serve your spouse even when you don't feel like it. You've been given power to pray when you don't see results. You've been given power to do things outside of your comfort zone. You've been given power to fulfill God's plan for your life, which might I add is always better than anything you've cracked up on your own. You've been given power. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the only one that's given this church power to reach this city. In and of ourselves, you might think we got some talented people. You look around, we got a pretty talented band. Matt's talented. 
looks good. He's got all, he's just got it going all, all on. He just, he's great. God, we've got Stephen, we got Brian, we got Ryan, we got Carla, we got Lisa. But even in the talent, we still don't have what it takes to effectively reach the city that God's called us to. The only way we're gonna do it effectively is the power. We need the power and the power comes in the Holy Spirit. So right now, why don't we stand to our feet all across the room? We gotta go, I'm over time. For some of you on medication, it is 8.38 right now, so. Listen, listen to me right now, we're gonna pray, but who, who, who is the Holy Spirit for? Who's the Holy Spirit for? It's for all of us who are in Christ. All of us who are in Christ. It's for everyone. Look at Acts chapter two and Acts chapter four. Those are just two instances where the Bible says, and, and the Holy Spirit fell on all. It's interesting. For those of you who don't do a lot of Greek study, you actually do the Greek study on the word all. <laughs> just means all. All. It means literally everyone. It's not an exaggeration. It literally meant every beating heart in that room. It fell on all of them. All of them. Think about who's in the room. We talked about Peter's in the room. It fell on a denier. Who else is in the room? Thomas is in the room. It fell on a doubter. It fell on men and women who could look back into their history and find faults and negative stuff and sin and mistakes and shortcomings, but it, yet it still fell on all of them. All who are in Christ. It doesn't just fall on the perfect. It doesn't just fall on those that are a little more special than the others and maybe God's gonna use them in a more unique way. It falls on all who are in Christ. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna give two opportunities right now. The first person, you're in here tonight, you're not even here by chance, even if you got invited. By the way, if you got, if you got invited to church tonight by a friend and you don't really go to church, um, just before you leave tonight, just turn, shake their hand because that's like your new best friend. Like they loved you enough to bring you to church so that you could actually hear about the one who saves, who is Jesus, right? They loved you enough. And, and so, but here's what I wanna say. For those of you who've never surrendered your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants, he, he wants to come in you in that initial moment of salvation. He wants to come into your life. And I wanna give you that opportunity right now. The thing I love about our great God is you don't have to wash up and get clean before you come to him. He does the washing. He does the cleaning. So maybe you're like, pastor, my sin resume is like so long. Like, I don't know. I don't even know if God can handle this. Listen, sin's not an issue for Jesus. It's not an issue because his blood that he spilled on the cross, that blood is rich and it can buy back any amount of sin and debt that you have accrued in your life thus far. He wants to redeem you. He wants to love you. He wants to lead you. He wants to be your savior, your king, and your Lord. He wants to be all of it, but you gotta surrender to him. You've maybe been running for a little while. The only thing you get when you run from Jesus is tired because he will not relent. He will chase you and chase you and chase you every day he's trying to get to you. And right now on a Wednesday night in June, he's finally kind of got you cornered in a moment because he wants relationship with you so bad. All you gotta do is say yes. And when you say yes, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. 
that gift that he promised, it comes into your life. So with no one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, just right now, if that's you for the first time ever, this is not a rededication, this is the first time ever, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. On the count of three, I want you to put your hand in the air. One, two, three, put your hand up. Tonight's your night. Just be bold, just keep it up right now. Tonight's your night, I wanna give my life to Christ. Thank you, thank you, you can put it down. Second person I wanna acknowledge right now is maybe you're a believer, but you need another filling. You need another filling. The disciples had the Holy Spirit in John 20. Jesus breathed, receive the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, Acts chapter two, they got another filling. Acts chapter four, they got another filling. And with every filling I see happening in the book of Acts, they just got a little more bold. They got a little more courageous. And maybe that's where you're at right now. You're a believer and you believe in Jesus, but if you're honest, you're still a little passive. You're a little passive in your witnessing. You're a little pat, you're not, as, you're, not, you're not very bold. Maybe you, you once were, but now you're not anymore. Or maybe you never really were, but listen, the Holy Spirit, we're gonna talk about it on Sunday, but the, the original initial purpose of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Acts chapter two, sorry, Acts chapter one, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. The original purpose of the Holy Spirit was for the benefit of others. He wants to make you bold. He wants to make you courageous. If you wanna be filled again with the Holy Spirit, a new filling, a fresh filling, just lift two hands in the air right now. I wanna be filled again. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. And I believe He is. I believe He will. I believe He's a good Father. I believe, just, go, look, just, just think about, I know your eyes might be closed. Just think about what we're doing right now. When a child, think about your children if you have them when they're young and they run towards you and they got two hands in the air, pick me up. What good mother and father just walks away? Look at our posture right now. Holy Spirit, with our hands lifted, a sign of surrender. Holy Spirit, come and fill us up. Just say it out of your own mouth. Lord, fill me up. Spirit, fill me up. Fill me up again. Fill me up again. Bring boldness in my life. Bring courage in my life. Fill me up again. Fill me up again. Maybe I've become passive. Maybe I've kind of stopped. Maybe I haven't been as focused on the purpose and the calling that you have for my life. I've been lackadaisical. I've plateaued, so to speak, in my relationship with Jesus. Fill me up again. Make me passionate again. Make me zealous for the things of God again. Holy Spirit, as you do this filling, may I re-examine my convictions again. What, what stays and what goes. Chances are for some of us, if you're gonna welcome more of the Holy Spirit to fill you, there's some stuff that's gotta make room for that. And maybe it's stuff that's not beneficial. Maybe it's stuff that doesn't look like Jesus. Maybe it's stuff that's just not healthy. It's not life-giving. I don't know, obviously if it's sin, maybe some of it's not sin, but it's just, it's just mediocre. It's just not good. It's not, it's not, it's not providing any growth. It's not taking you to new levels. I, Lord, anything that is not helping me take steps forward, Lord, may it be removed from my life. And Holy Spirit, fill every gap. Fill every gap. Fill me, Holy Spirit, right now in every aisle and every row. Fill in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org. 